0: you have your Bibles, if you would please turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Take your bookmarker and stick it there, it'll save you next week as well. So my my picture that's on the, the graphic, I turned around to look at it, I can look that way as well, but... So when I was thinking about this sermon and and each according to one's ability, um, talking about the parable of the talents or the bag of gold or whichever your translation has. I'm actually going to read from one translation. What's going to be on the screen is a little different. But I was thinking right away, oh, you know, whether it's Marvel or whichever your your favorite heroes are and all of these movies that keep coming out. And I was like, oh, which one do I want to be? uh, Captain America is pretty good, but you know, Ant-Man has some really neat abilities that would be pretty cool too. But um, it just, I threw that up there because if you haven't watched those movies, they all bring together different abilities. They're not all the same, and I, I keep still wondering, you know, who won the race? Did it um, was it Flash or, or Superman? You know, which one's faster? And I keep asking my grandsons; they they don't know and they won't give me an answer. Um, but again, we as we look to the topic that we have this morning, each of us comes to the church uh, with different abilities. And and whether we think that Captain America is greater than, you know, someone else on there, I can't even name them all, Spider-Man, um, whichever way we look at it, um, they all bring a different ability to the table. And, it, and it's the same as a church as we look at this passage in Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read verses 14 through 30 and allow God's word to speak to us again my translation is a little bit with, different than what's on, up on the screen but God's word is true and, and both have the same meaning again it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them to one he gave five talents of money to another two talents and to another one talent each according to his ability and then he went on his journey The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five and he said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. "'Master,' he said, "'I know that you are a hard man, "'harvesting where you have not sown "'and gathering where you have not scattered seed. "'So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. "'See, here is what belongs to you.' "'And his master replied, "'You wicked, lazy servant. "'So you knew I harvested where I have not sown "'and gathered where I have not scattered seed. "'Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers "'so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest.' Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we look to your word again this morning. On the Lord's day, the day that you have made, the day you have created, the day that we can rejoice and be glad in. So whether we're here in this auditorium this morning, hearing your word or at home or in a later time listening to your word, I pray, Lord, that your word speaks to us. That your word is quickened to our hearts and we understand where we're at in your kingdom. We understand what our responsibility is in your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, for having a calling on each and every one of our lives. May we walk out of here this morning knowing that we have what you have given to us and we are committed to use it for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue today looking at the book of uh, Matthew chapter 25 and looking at these three parables. Uh, Last week we talked about the parable of the ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. Um, Coming to that last sentence that Jesus gave to us, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Basically as Christians we should be awake, not be asleep. Um, Yet we, we are given that parable and so God does call us to be awake but as I was pondering these three parables and thinking about them and trying to get an understanding of how they all flow together and why does Jesus give them one right after the other how do they build upon each other it started to to come to me and I realized and and as I thought about it more and more I came to understand that the first parable is really talking about who we are that that we're either asleep or we're awake uh, we're either wise or we're foolish and it talks about who we are and as we get into the next passage of, the, of this chapter in verses 14 through 30, Jesus starts to talk about our ability, what, what God has given to us as talents, as treasures, as gifts into our lives where we can be of service to each other and building each other up. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so the one is about who we are, and the other one is about what we have and what we're doing with it. And then as we get into the next parable, which I'll look at next week, is how we're using the treasures in, that God has given us into our lives, the, the, the goodness that God has given into our lives, and how we're using that for the goodness of others. As well, And so they, they expand and grow on each other as we go through these parables. And each one has a, their own little twist to it, their own little turns. Um, but yet with all three of them, they stand together. It, it's a, like a three-legged stool. We have a four-legged stool up here. But it, it's a three-legged stool that if I would rip one of the legs out of the three-legged stool, you're not going to sit for very long. And c- certainly if I rip two out. Um, now now we're really in trouble and we're teetering and tottering. And so all three of these passages go together, and I can't take any one of them and say, well, here here I got the first one and I know who I am. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm committed to Him. I'm following Him. And, and this is where I'm at. Well, you're s- sitting on one leg of the stool. You still need the other two legs because all three of these parables give two results they give a result of either you're in the kingdom of heaven and that's where your eternity lies, or you're in the kingdom of hell and that's where your eternity lies. so we have two separate routes in two different places and there's nothing in between and so pulling the leg out from any one of these our stool falls over and so i and, and i then have to go to and say well ralph what about god's grace his forgiveness of us And so God's grace and mercy are free and they come to us with a choice of living in the kingdom of God, living in the kingdom of God and serving Him and giving all of ourselves to Him. But I'm not ready to cut Matthew 25 out of my Bible for the sake of a misunderstanding of God's grace. And that's where these three parables become tough for us and they become hard for us to chew on because i can't with a misunderstanding of god's grace just rip this parable out of my bible and yet god says in matthew chapter 25 we're either awake for him or we're in sleep in danger of falling away and then I get into the next parable where I have to serve him in certain ways and he calls on us to serve in certain ways. And if I don't, he's going to throw me out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then I get to the next passage in, the, in Matthew 25 of the sheep and the goats and with, with serving God and, and giving food and water and, and drink and visiting someone in prison. And if I'm not doing those things, and then again, that stool's ripped out. Well, what about God's grace? And with God's grace, he says, live in my kingdom, but do the things that people inside my kingdom do. And if you're not doing the things that people inside my kingdom do, then you really don't have God's grace because you really haven't asked me to be Lord of your life, and you're living in the kingdom of man, outside of the kingdom of God. And so all three of the legs of the stool sit there together. All three of them hold together, and as all three of those parables sit together, I want to ask, ask a question, and then answer the question this morning. Because the question becomes, as I get to these, where we're told to keep watch, and then in verse 30, throw that worthless servant out into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of of teeth. And then in the next section of passage of Scripture, when he is again throwing people out, that they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. And I take all of those passages and I take those verses and I say, well, how could a loving God who loves us so much take somebody and throw them out of His kingdom where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth? How can a loving God go and send someone away to eternal punishment? How can a loving God ever do such a thing? If you claim that God is love, that 1 John 4, 8 says, Because God is love. How can a loving God do that to anybody? And that's the challenge that sits in front of us as Christians. We need to be able to answer the question of, How will a loving God, who loves us so much, We're we're the jewel of His creation. We are the jewel, jewel of his creation, God makes everything in creation, and it is good, and then he makes man, and he says it's very good we're the jewel the the, the apex, the peak of his creation how could How could the loving God just destroy us and throw us out of heaven, throw us to eternal punishment into darkness? How can a loving God do that and the answer, the answer to the question is, a loving god Hear me out. A loving God will not, will not, will not force anybody to go to hell. Do you understand that answer? A loving God will not force anybody to go to hell. But a loving God will not force anybody to go to heaven either. There's the love of God. There is the love of God. A loving God will not force anybody to go to hell, but a loving God will never, ever, ever force anybody to live in His kingdom and go to heaven either. And that's why we can answer the question, how can a loving God send somebody to hell? He would not. He would not. He loves us so much that He gives us the choice to either live in the kingdom of heaven or to live in the kingdom of man away from God. And both of those both of those choices have an eternal destiny. And he loves us so much, he says, I'm going to give you the freedom to choose which way you would go. I am not going to force your hand. See, if I would describe it this way, and we can think of it this way, if God would kidnap us and force us to live somewhere where we didn't want to be, we would call God unloving. That's a very simple uh, simple analogy. If you would go and kidnap anybody you want, just go down the street and the first person you see, kidnap them, tie them up, force them to live in your house, follow all of your rules, do everything that you want them to do and force them to live in your house, you would consider that cruel, you would consider that wrong, you would go to jail for it. It would be completely unloving on your behalf to go and kidnap somebody off the street and force them to live in your home. And so a loving God will not kidnap somebody for eternity and force them to live in heaven where they do not want to be. A loving God would never do that. But I have to also extend the question a little bit and take this a little bit further and argue, what kind of choice is that? I either follow God and I, I get heaven but you're telling me that if I don't follow this God who loves me, all I get is hell. What kind of choice is that? I already know what's behind door number one and door number two. And and door number two does not, it's the goat. So why would I ever choose door number two? I mean, why can't God say, hey, you you love me, so give me a door number three? I'll take a beach in Cancun, Mexico, full service, all-you-can-eat food, sandy beaches, no storms, beautiful sunny weather, 75, 80 degrees every day. You know, why isn't there a door number three? And the reality is, there's no door number three because hell is the full result of our life's decisions. And so even the sin, even the sin that we do right now in our lives has a result. And so to be outside of the presence of God, which many people in our world are, and seeking after love, seeking after fulfillment, seeking after riches, seeking after desires, and chasing all those things, they're chasing something and running around in circles and chasing something that never gets fulfilled and never exists. And do you know what that becomes? It becomes a living hell. That's what it becomes. We are chasing something over and over and over and over, and we can't catch it, and we're driving ourselves mad by chasing it. And God says, if you don't want to be in my kingdom, I'm going to let you chase it for all eternity. I am going to let you chase it for all eternity. And for all eternity, you will never find fulfillment, and it will drive you crazy. You will burn with desire and the desire will never be fulfilled because God's over here in his kingdom with those who chose to follow him where their ultimate desires are all fulfilled in him. And so even if he gave us a beach in Cancun, Mexico with beautiful weather and sunny skies, we would still be chasing our tails and it would be a living hell. And that's what God says. You're either in my kingdom, or you're going to chase things forever, and you're outside of my kingdom. And the two choices sit before us, and that's why I can answer the question and say, Why would a loving God? Why would a God who loves us so much send us to hell? And the answer is, He never, 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 never will. He looks at us and says, Choose. Choose. Do you want me and my kingdom? Or do you want you and yours? And there becomes our eternity. Which way will we choose? Our God who loves us gives us exactly, exactly what we choose. And we choose, and this is reflected in who we are and what we do. And that gets us back to Matthew 25 and what we do. Because Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, what God is saying with these talents, with these bags of gold, becomes what we do. So I want to start off and just jump right in and go to verse 14 and talk about, and again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. We are entrusted with the Master's treasure. The Master's treasure has been given to us. Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven. He's the man who has gone off on a journey in our parable. The man who has gone off on the journey is Jesus Christ. He's ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And that day is coming when he will return. And when he returns, will he find faith on earth? Will he find his children serving him? Will he find his children living for him? And that treasure has been given to us entrusted to us to care for and then to use. And so anyone who calls on God, who calls on Jesus Christ as Lord, is the servant and the servants in our parable. We're all entrusted with the master's treasure. So what are we entrusted with? We're entrusted with spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts that are things that we can use in the kingdom of God to benefit other believers in the church that is around us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about the foundation being Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has set the foundation for us, a solid rock on what we we stand. But 1 Corinthians 3 goes on to talk about, but we are building with gold, we're building with silver, we're building with costly stones, and we're building with wood, hay, and straw. So we have the, the foundation of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 3, that foundation that we stand on as a believer of Jesus Christ, but then we start building... And we start building with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and straw. Only three of those six things are going to last. And what are we building? We're building the temple of God. First Corinthians 3 later on says, you are the temple. Right? Building up the temple of the Lord. Say, brother, won't you help me? Sister, won't you help me? Building up the temple of the Lord. That's a Sunday school course if you've never learned that i'm not singing this morning But building up the temple building up the temple building up the temple of the lord So brother won't you help me sister won't you help me you sing those songs as a little kid You don't know what you're talking about and then when you get old you say oh i got it The truth is the light came on the truth is there that that we're building up the temple with gold silver and costly stones What are the gold silver and costly stones that god gives us we don't have to go dig for them We don't have to go look for them god whose Holy Spirit pours the Holy Spirit into us and says, here's a gift, I'm giving it to you. Two passages, they're easy to remember. remember there's a couple of other verses in First Peter and Ephesians, but here's the two that I always remember. Chapter 12. If you can remember chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's the only way that I can remember them. Chapter 12, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Read through both passages on your own. Understand the gifts that God has given to you. God has given to us in First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are poured into every single believer. If you would raise your hand and say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift that has been poured into you, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and those gifts are there for the common good. The common good. Say, brother won't you help me, sister won't you help me, building up the temple of the Lord. They're there for all of the believers, they're there for the church, they're there for the temple, the church, God's house, God's people, and building up God's kingdom. And that's where we use those, in the body of the believers. For the people who have called on the name of the Lord to be saved. And you say, well, I don't, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. I don't know what that gift is that God has given to me in, in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12. What do I do about this? And God has entrusted us with gifts. It's our job to discover what those gifts are. I can tell you, you can get on the internet. Some of these you have to put your email in. I know people don't like to do that. Go on the internet and just spiritual gifts, all kinds of websites come up. And you get a simple little test. You answer 25, 50 questions. And then a nice little chart will come up and it will say, you have the spiritual gift of this. Next step, go do it. Find out if it really works. If it comes up and says your spiritual gift is teaching, and you start teaching a Sunday school class and everybody quits, okay, maybe your spiritual gift isn't teaching. But if it says your spiritual gift is serving, then you start serving in your church. And as you're serving others... And you're saying, this is fun, I love this, this is great know that your spiritual gift is serving. If your gift is administering and you administer an event, and after the event, everybody says that was chaotic. Nobody knew what they were doing. Everybody was struggling. Okay, your gift is not administering. Uh, Move on the list. You experiment. You you look at what God is doing. If, If you spend all day long praying about something, and at the end of the day say, wow, God, that was just the most refreshing day I ever had, then know that your spiritual gift is probably praying. And praying for others, and pouring out your heart to God on behalf of of others. Am I meant to preach, or teach, or prophecy, or pray, or lead, or serve, exercise faith, speak in different languages, interpret different languages, encourage, give, show mercy? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans 12. Both passages reveal how God has given to us. The Essentials for a Discipleship book that I'm trying to get going, that I'm trying to move forward, chapter 21. If you have the book, turn to chapter 21. The whole chapter is on spiritual gifts. Allow God to speak into your life because these are the things that God has given to us. God has entrusted us with them. He's placed treasure in our lap according to our ability. And that's the part that I love about this. God doesn't come to us and say, Here, I want you to teach. And then you go off and struggle. God's the one who has given you that ability, that bag of gold, that treasure, that talent and then we carry it forward for God interesting part about the gifts that he's entrusted with us is they're given by the Holy Spirit and there's no return policy in the kingdom of God the reality hey it's Christmas time coming up if 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 God gives Ralph a bunny suit that's pink got to put it on on Christmas morning notice I said Ralphie not Ralph don't get any ideas there is no bunny suit in my future but the reality is, you open up the gift and it's yours and there's no return. And the treasure that God has put into you, He's put into you. And we don't look around and we say, well, why does that guy have, have the gift of teaching? And, and look at all this gift of teaching. Well, know that there's a higher account that's given to him. And if God has called you to pray, then pray your heart out. And if God has... Has given you the gift of encouragement. Then encourage other believers and encourage your heart out. There's no return policy with the Holy Spirit. We can't look God in the face and say, "God, you messed up in how you created me. If you would have did a little bit better job, God, giving me, you know, if I instead of getting one bag of gold, if I would have gotten five, you know, I would have did a little bit better." And God says, "Well, you better start taking care of the one bag of gold that I gave you." He's entrusted us with gifts to use. The question doesn't become what we have and what we don't have. The question becomes what we're going to do with the gift that we have from God. We're entrusted with the master's treasure and we're expected to use the master's treasure. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag of gold, each according to his ability. And then he went off on his journey. What God has given to me, he hasn't given to you. And what God has given to you, he hasn't given to me. But together we complement each other. It works that way in a marriage. And it works that way in a church. That we, com- we complement each other. Each person fulfills what the other person can't do. It's not what you don't have, but what you are, what you are doing with what you have. And we need to be able to look God in the face and say, thank you, Lord, for the gift you've given to me, and I'm going to use it for you. I'm going to serve others the way that you have called. I know men who live such simple lives that you would look at their life and you would say, look at this guy. But they live such simple lives, they go to a very simple job, and they work hard and faithful at their job and they use every opportunity they have and every cent they have to pour into the kingdom of God and you would look at them and you would say wow they don't have a whole lot of gifts but boy they are faithful with the little bit that they have and they they are really faithful and I know some other men who have talents that all of us would sit and we would envy that they've been gifted by God in many different ways. They're the ones that have the five bags of gold. And we look at them, and I look at them and I say, why are you wasting them away? Why are you wasting them away? You are doing nothing with what God has given you. We have to look at what God has given us. And we need to make sure that we don't find ourselves being called a lazy and wicked servant. And our parable verses 16 and, verses 16 and 17 tells us the one with the five bags and the one with the two bags went at once. I love that word that I found when I was reading through this the other day, that they went at once. The man who had received five talents went at once. So also the one who had the two talents, they went at once. They didn't mess around. They said, thank you, God, for what you have given to me, and I am going and I'm going to start using them you know the went at once word does not find with the guy that with one talent? I don't know if he sat and pondered it a long time or what he did until he finally came to the conclusion, I'll just bury it in the ground and wait for, for my master to come back. But I know he didn't go at once. See, God has entrusted us with these gifts and he expects us to use these gifts for the master. We've got to be careful that we don't find ourselves being lazy with what God has given to us. I want to make this practical for a moment. 1 Corinthians 3 tells me that we we have these gifts for the common good. And so, knowing that this is for the common good, it means that we spur one another towards good works. We encourage one another. We use what God has given to us to, to benefit the body of Christ, to minister to the body of Christ, to spur one another on towards good deeds. The practical part of this is it's becoming increasingly difficult in our day. Let's face the reality, there's a lot of empty seats in our auditorium and we only have half the seats that we normally set up. It's very hard and difficult to minister using the gifts that God has given to us in this day. But God still calls on us to be creative and to be faithful in what God has given to us. I want to try and... Walk a really fine line here. It's a line of grace, but it's a line of being blunt with you. And so give me grace as I try to walk a line of grace at the same time I walk a line that I'm being blunt with you. If you're able to go to the movies, if you're able to go out for dinner, if you're able to go to birthday parties, if you're able to go to all kinds of events, if you're able to go hang out at your friend's house, whatever that thing is, if you're, if you're able to go to the grocery store, if you're able to go, 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 why on Sunday morning do you see the house of God as being infected with a plague and you can't go? Now I'm walking the line of grace. So if you're going, 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 then get up on Sunday morning and go. Because God's entrusted us with his master's treasures, and he expects us to use the master's treasures. And they're used in the body of Christ. Now I'm walking the line of grace and being blunt with you. I also understand that because of people's individual conditions they must stay at home and the line of grace says and if you must stay at home then find a creative way to use what God has entrusted you and people are staying at home because of a virus of a pandemic that has hit our world and being as safe as possible some people are staying home because they, they became sick a week ago and we don't even know and they became sick a week ago and they're staying away for a month because they don't want to get anybody else sick. Other people are staying home because they're at a time in their lives where they don't go anywhere. It has nothing to do with even this pandemic. They've reached a stage in their life where they become shut in. Where they're caring for a loved one we have to be careful and walk a line of grace. But my encouragement is, if you're in that condition, we don't get to say to God, I don't have to do anything for you. Because we don't want to be the servant who buries our gift in the sand. And so if we're shut in at home, we have to find ourselves with the gifts that God has given to us in our situation in life. And whether that gift is to pray for others or encourage one another or to serve somebody, make sure that you are looking, searching, and using your gifts, even when you're shut in in your home, to minister into other people's lives. And so being with that walk of grace, God can use us wherever we're at whether we're in a church building or whether we're in a home and God can use us and don't ever discount the work of God don't look for uh, don't look for excuses look for ownership i believe it's up there on a sign on my right and my left don't look for excuses look for ownership don't uh, go from impossible to possible and seek God out on how do i use my gifts when i'm shut in in my home But the other side of that is don't find an excuse to become a lazy and wicked servant when I'm going, 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 but on Sunday morning I want to hide from God's people in the church where God has called me to minister. And He hasn't just called me in a pulpit, in a pulpit, and behind a lectern to minister. We joked about that this morning. He just hasn't called me to get behind a lectern to minister. This is only a part of Sunday morning. He has called each and every one of you to pour your gifts into somebody else. And whether that is serving, or giving, or encouraging, or or speaking a word of truth, of prophecy into somebody's life, we have to come together and express this as God's people. We're entrusted with the Master's treasure. We're expected to use the Master's treasure. And we are enriched for using the master's treasure. Know that what God has given to you, he will continue to bless you. Moving down to verse 29 in this passage, for, wh- for whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundant. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. Jesus brings forth a statement where if we're using what we have been entrusted with, God will continue to bless us and bless us and bless us and give us more. And if you're using your treasures that he has given to you to the best of your ability, he is going to keep giving you more and more opportunity to use those treasures. But if we're burying them in the sand and doing nothing in, with them, if we're not fanning them into a flame, as Paul tells First Timothy, to fan into flame the gift that has been given to you, if we're not fanning it into a flame and burying it, then we get on the wrong side of this message. We don't want to be found slothful in our usefulness for God. Because if we are, He will not in turn burden us for more. If we're praying to God, God, just give me the gift of prophecy. I really want the gift of prophecy. And God's going to say, Yeah, but you haven't started using the gift of service that I gave you. Why should I give you the gift of prophecy? God, I really want to teach one of those classes. Yeah, but I've given you the gift of prayer and you haven't prayed for anybody in the last six months. You see how that works? And if we use what the Holy Spirit has given to us, he'll keep pouring into our lives and giving us more and giving us more opportunity to serve him. When we read through the Bible, we see people who are blessed and that were found faithful by God and they were used by God and they were used to serve mankind around them and to serve the kingdoms that are around us. And God blesses so many different people in so many different ways. But again, when we read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we read about people who are unfaithful with what God has given to them, he pulls back his hand from them. Read through King Solomon. King Solomon was great. He asked for wisdom instead of treasure. God blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. But he went off and he married 700 women who led him astray to all kinds of different gods around him. And instead of worshiping the Lord, which he did continue to do, He also went up on the high places and worshipped all the gods of all of his wives that he had. And and he worshipped all of them. And because of it, what did God do? He pulled the kingdom out from underneath him and separated the kingdom that God had brought forth. And he separated into two separate kingdoms with their sons. Solomon started well, but he didn't finish well. We need to be careful that we're using what God has given to us and using it in the right way for God's kingdom and allow him to bless us with more. The Apostle Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's pressing forward. He's not giving up. I don't talk about running a lot, but I'll use an illustration from running. There's a reality when I'm running and if I want to go a long distance, just get far from home. Just get far from home. When you're six, seven miles from home, there's only one thing to do you got to turn around and come back and run home. The other option is, you could call and go, oh, I'm really tired. Will you come pick me up? I've never done that. I've never done that. But that's one option. Or the other option is, hey, I'm halfway to Shippensburg. Can you meet me there? But you get so far from home, you have to turn on and you have to press on to win the prize. You have to press on and run that next six and a half, seven miles and press on and press on. No matter how bad it hurts, no matter how tired you are, you forgot to take your water and you press on to get to the end of the race. And God has entrusted us with spiritual gifts. He's expecting us to use it in the body of believers and he's enriching us and pouring into our lives at blessings over and over. But we've got to keep pressing on and pressing on. We either quit or we press on serving God in his church. There's two conclusions in our story. I started in my introduction. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. I love that conclusion. But there's two conclusions. And the second one is, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God's entrusting us. He's expecting us to do something. And in turn, he will enrich us. We need to look forward to the prize and keep serving the way that God has called us. I'm going to conclude with Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21. Matthew six, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, but where and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Seek God out. Find your spiritual gift. Start using it for God's kingdom. Start using it for your brother and sister that are sitting next to you. Start using it for your brother and sister that are home. Start using it to service god's church let's pray together heavenly father through your holy spirit you have poured into each and every one of our lives like a big christmas present dropped on our lap a birthday present where you say happy birthday you're part of the kingdom of god you have accepted me as lord and savior and Here, I'm giving you this. Use it wisely. Lord, first, help us to open up those treasures, to open them up and understand what you've done for us. Lord, help us to understand what our responsibility is with those gifts, that we don't take them for granted. We fan them into flame. We learn about them. We study about them. We seek out others who have the same gift and learn from them. We find ways to use them in your service. Lord, give us a burden through your Holy Spirit, quicken our hearts each and every day. How are we using our gift today to serve you? May we find ourselves being diligent in your servant. Or may we find ourselves working, laboring, serving until the Master comes home. We thank you for being our strength. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for the forgiveness that comes from the cross. Thank you for Jesus Christ who's died for, who died for our sins, who has set us free from our sins. Lord, as we prepare our hearts to go home today, again, I ask for your hedge of protection around us. Again, I ask that you bring healing into our loved ones who are sick, that you bring peace of mind into our loved ones who are walking through last days of their lives. You bring strength to us when we struggle with our faith, that we find ourselves faithful to you. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we have the strength to walk in this world. Help us to stand so that in the end we will stand. When we are weak and we are faltering, Lord, be the one who lifts us up. Be the one that we rely on and trust in. Lord, give us grace for those that we love who find themselves not being able to come out during this pandemic. Lord, even during this pandemic, as your children... May we seek your face. Lord, as your children, may we look into our own lives and remove any wickedness that is found there, any impurity that is there, any selfishness that's there. May we be a light unto the world. willing to let that light shine before men. God, do a great work through each and every one of us. Pray that your mercy is with us, your grace is with us, and we thank you that you do go with us. You have promised to never leave us nor forsake us, and we will rest in that promise as we're separate from each other. Thank you again for the great work that you're doing in each of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you so much. Have a wonderful week.